Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, I just feel like God's put it on the heart to uh, just pause for a moment and <clears throat> pray for Ava, um, Miranda's niece, is it? Um, so her, she went into the hospital, she broke her arm, and then she had issues with her lungs, uh, which, do we know what side? Okay. Um, so I just thought as a community of faith, we could take a moment to lift her up in prayer and see what God can do. Uh, is there a couple of people to be willing to pray for healing over Ava just right now? Okay, Kennedy and Ginny. All right. All right, go ahead. You can lead us. Thank you. Um, the, we, for those of you who are, are visiting this morning, or, or maybe you were you're gone last week, uh, we unveiled a vision uh, here at Washington Church, a new vision. And we've been in that process for two years, just seeking the Lord's face and asking, God, what do you want f- for us? What do you have for us? What direction are you leading us? And so uh, what we're going to do now as we shift gears from kind of receiving that vision is, is how do we begin to live out that vision? And we're going to enter into a sermon series, uh, we're going to call it Jesus And. And every time we get to a major focus within the vision statement, we're going to stop and we're going to preach on that focus, but we're going to look at the life of Jesus and how that focus overlays in his life. And so the first thing you come to in our vision statement is community. It talks about the fact that we are a community. And, and so we're going to look at what a community look like in Jesus' life. And this is actually something that's really fascinating to me. I've never thought about this before. I've never stopped and thought about what was, it, what was the community or the environment like that, 
that cultivated and built up Jesus into who Jesus became. And, and this is hard, and, and I know I'm walking on kind of uh, sacred ground here because we have this view of, of who Jesus is as 100% God, 100% man, absolutely. But the scriptures tell us that he grew in stature and, and wisdom and in favor with God and, and with men. And so there's a process that Jesus went through. So we have the very Christ presence that is indwelled in a human being, in Jesus of Nazareth. And that presence is always there, never left, um, was never compromised in any way, and yet Jesus grows as a human being. He physically grows, obviously, um, but somehow in the mystery of all things, there, there is growth that happens there. Don't ask me to explain that, because I can't explain it to you, but we look in the scriptures and it's there. And so what we're going to do is take a step back and look at, like, what was his environment like? What was Mary like? What was Joseph like? And we're going to look at this, this um, event that happened in his life in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 2. And you've probably heard this story before. It's about Jesus when he's 12 years old. But I've never stopped and I've never looked at this story in light of his own formation and so that's what we're going to look at. But as we read this story, the point of reading it is to look at our community and ask ourselves, what are attributes of Jesus' community that we want to take into our own community? What do we want to see happening here in, at Washington Church that's valuable for us, that will enable us to grow and deepen um, in the same way that Jesus does? So verse 41, we'll start. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem, for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went, he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And so we have this story that is, is absolutely fascinating about Jesus and would totally freak any parent out who ever lived. I mean, can you imagine losing your kid for three days? Like that just, I can't even imagine that. I, I have misplaced my children for short periods of time, but I have never lost them for 24 hours, okay? And, and that, was, that was just me. My wife was off doing something else at the time, um, so I can own that. But it's interesting, but what I want to do is I want to look at these details, and there's a lot of beautiful details in this story that we can pull out and learn from and grow as a community, First and foremost, we see that Jesus' parents were extremely intentional about following the traditions of their faith. So we see their faith is very important to them, but also the traditions of their faith are very important to them. So they, they are going to this festival in Jerusalem 
okay? Passover, which is celebrating the exodus out of Egypt, when God faithfully brought his people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and into the desert to form them and shape them. And it was a requirement for every male, the age 13 or over, to attend this festival, if you could afford to do so. And it, it was um, understood that you were to do everything you could to come. And, and so Joseph and Mary, they came as a family, and that was a typical thing to do. And when Passover would take place, Jerusalem would swell to close to a million people. So this city would grow from 150,000, give or take, and everybody in the surrounding area, all the tribes, would send their males, most likely their families, to come in. And the city would just explode with people. And they'd have worship, and, and they would offer their sacrifice, and they would remember the faithfulness of God. There was also two more other festivals that I thought were really fascinating. One is what we call Pentecost, but the Jews would call Shavuot. And that was, um, that was about the first fruits that would come. And uh, obviously we see Pentecost as the time that the Holy Spirit came down, um, and, and, and which it was, but it was originally celebrated for the first fruits of the harvest. And so they came back to Jerusalem, and they celebrated God's faithfulness about the first fruits of the harvest. And then the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles, which commemorates the time that the Jews wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And so you have tabernacles of wandering in the wilderness, you have Passover, which is celebrating the exodus out, uh, and then you have Pentecost or Shavuot, uh, which, was, which was the festival of the first fruits. And so they're coming there, bringing Jesus with them. And so we see this beautiful image of parents who were passionate about their faith and their belief in God, and they brought their child with them, along with them, so that their child would see what it looks like to worship the Lord. And that's such an important and key thing of a healthy community is where you have parents that are vibrantly seeking the Lord but also attending to their children and bringing their children along for that journey. That's why we have at at Washington, that's why we have our kids in here for the first song with us because one of the most important things for children to do is to see their parents living out their faith. Because if, if, if your children do not see you living out their faith, it becomes increasingly harder for them to, to follow the Lord. And they have to look for other places to follow the Lord. So one of the things that, that we go back to is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is what Mary and Joseph would have known. They would have had memorized and they would have lived out. And this is what Deuteronomy tells us. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. So we know that, we've heard that, we're familiar with that. But if you go on, it says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So literally, everywhere you go, when you leave, when you come in, when you go to bed, when you get up, Carry these commandments with you. Remember where they came from. Remember who gave them to you and then pass them along. Share them with the people that you encounter, but especially teach them to your children. And one of the things that we say here at Washington Church is we have a great kids ministry, we have a great youth ministry, but it's not our kids ministry or our youth ministry's job to teach your kids exclusively about the faith. That's yours as parents. And so we need to have a community that's vibrant that is passionate, that wants to instill their faith into their children, into the next generation, and then to the next generation and the next generation. 
Okay? That's one of the responsibilities, and I think that's one of the signs of a, of a vibrant and healthy community. And we see that in the life of Mary and Joseph. In verse 42, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So again, at age 13 is when a, a young Jewish boy became a man. And we still have that in our culture called the bar mitzvah. And they still carry that on, and they viewed that then. When I, was, when I had the privilege of being in Israel back in 2018, we were there every Thursday at, at the Wailing Wall, or the Laos foundational wall that sits below the Temple Mount, is when they have bar mitzvahs. And we actually didn't, I didn't know this, but we happened to be there um, in the city of Jerusalem at the time. And we came in and we got to see the bar mitzvah ceremonies taking place. And they had rabbis there and they had phylacteries there. They had literally the word of God wrapped around their arms and tied around their head because that's what the scriptures say to do. And they take that very literally. But we were watching and they had their prayer shawls on and they they would open up these Torah scrolls and roll them out. And the young boy who was 13 had to read from the Torah scrolls as a part of his ceremony. But even, even as today, back then, they had that ritual. Now, why am I telling you this? Jesus is 12. He's not 13. So this tells us there's something different about him that he wants to be a part of what's going on. He doesn't have to be a part of what's going on yet, okay, according to their custom. Again, he's, he's at 13, he has to do, there's a mandate to do it. But he's 12. And so there's something unique about him. And, and again, We'll say that and you're like, yeah, he's God. Of course there's something unique about him. But I think we need to also look at his humanity and realize that there's a, there's a hunger there. And what created that hunger? Is it just naturally in him? Or was it a part of his environment that helped form and shape him? And so he's there at the festival. And uh, he decides he likes it so much he wants to stay. And his parents leave. And they, they travel a day. And he sticks around. And he ends up going into the temple, and he's hanging out with these guys. And he's listening to them, but he's also teaching them, which is like mind-blowing. Because that, that, there's no example in history that we have of Jewish culture where, where that takes place. Where people that young had something to offer. Um, and so literally, he's on his own. His parents are journeying back to Galilean region. That's a three-day journey. They, they say they average about 15 miles a day, um, give or take. It could be four or five day journey depending on how quickly you're moving. It's about 100 miles between Jerusalem and Galilee where, or Nazareth area where he grew up. And so um, I believe this is, this is called free range parenting. There's a, a term for this where you kind of uh, let your kids run around a bit. Uh, and, um, and we have that at Washington, which is great. Um, but what that tells me, if you think about this story, is that Mary and Joseph trust their community enough with their child. So we don't think about this. But they, they traveled with their neighbors, they traveled with their cousins, they traveled with their brothers and sisters, and they did that in order to be protected from bandits along the way. But they're traveling in this pack of people. And I don't know about you, but I'd be like, every so often, where's my kid? Um, but they trusted their community enough that they didn't even worry about their son. Because they believed and they knew the people around them would care for him in that way. That's a powerful image of community for me. I love that image of community. That we can be around each other and get to know each other in such a way that we would entrust our children to one another. Which is really the ultimate trust in a way. 
is it not? If I entrust you with my children, I'm basically saying I fully trust you in so many ways to, to take care of my kids. Okay, a step, a step back from that would be my dog. So if I ask you to trust, watch my dog for me, I'm also trusting you, but I'm not as concerned as how it goes with my children. Okay, and, and I love that image. And a community needs to be a place where we can show up and worship with each other. But, we, but in that space, we also need to begin to learn to, to grow in our, our relationships with the people around us. Not just the people we know, but also the people we haven't met yet. And the new people that come into our community. And that's a part of inviting them in and getting to know them. And coming alongside them in worship. And that can look like many things. And some of these things we do. And some of these things we can grow in. But it looks like taking meals to people who need meals. We have a great meals ministry. People who are sick or mourning. Or, or have given birth or gone through a hard time. I had a friend once. Years ago. And he was telling me. At one point we had some unbelievable um, people who made meals at Washington. It was like a known thing. And he, and he had gotten injured at some point. He hurt himself and was in the hospital and then, then got to receive those meals. And we were talking about it, and, and he was sharing with me. And he's, he's like, I've seriously thought of injuring myself again just to get some of the food that was brought to my house because it was so good. I was like, you could just ask maybe rather than going through the hospital visit. But a healthy community has trust and honesty where feelings can be expressed and shared and judgment is not passed. Or we're just listening to each other. And we're not pointing the finger. We're not jumping to conclusions. Because especially right now, we need to be a time where we can just listen to each other. And maybe hard things can be said and received. Where uh, we can take off our masks and be ourselves. That's one of our images that came forward through the vision process. Where we can come to the table together, the Lord's table together, and we can rejoice and celebrate. And and there's, there's stipulations to that. Because sometimes the, we need to... to we always need to check ourselves, but also say, is there somebody I need to forgive or ask for forgiveness before I come to this table? Because that's part of coming to the Lord's table, which we're going to do after the message this morning. And where forgiveness can be offered and received. And all those things are being practiced and lived out in this space. Why? So that we can grow in our faith and develop, but also so we can take those principles out into the world and share them with people who don't know Jesus. Because when you start to take those experiences that we get to have with one another, that love, that community, and you share that with people who are outside of that community and don't know who Jesus is, that is a powerful draw to faith for people. They look at that and they see that you're different in your life, that you live differently, and people begin to ask questions about that, and then you step into that space and say, let me tell you about the Jesus and the relationship I have with him. And all, all that flows out of me because of that relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. Verse 46, after, after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. As I shared before, one day out, one day back, one day looking around, that's three days. Three days of missing your 12-year-old. That's a long time. I mean, you've called the cops at that point, right? After 24 hours. And they're trying to find him in a city, again, that swelled to a million people searching the streets. Jerusalem itself is not a, a huge space. You could fit the old city in the, in the area of Old Orchard. Probably in, in, in half, maybe three-quarters of Old Orchard area would be the old city that you could fit in there. 
but there's lots of narrow streets and there's, there's lots of spaces and homes and, and shops and they're looking. And, um, you know, there, there's something about Jesus and wanting to be left alone for three days while he's cooking on something. That's what I've noticed in the scriptures. And so he's content and he's, again, he's sitting at the feet of rabbis, but he's also beginning to teach as he's asking questions. And in this moment, he's literally breaking away from his parents. And his ministry is starting to form and, and shape at that time. It doesn't come into to, to fullness until, again, he's baptized by John in the Jordan River. But we see these elements of Jesus begin to, to grow and deepen. And we don't have a lot of information about Jesus um, in this time frame as a child or from this period of 12 on. We don't have a lot of information. And so it's interesting to look at his life and see how these things are forming and shaping him. Um, because he's definitely not your normal 12-year-old Jewish kid. In verse uh, 49, Why were you searching for me, Jesus says to his parents? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Literally, the Greek says, I had or I must be in my father's house. That's the translation that, he, that is, is, is more accurate. But the drive and the focus that he had was about wanting to connect with his father. And I wondered about that. Was the temple a more sacred space for him than any other space? We don't know. But there was something about that moment where he was, he was having this connection. And we see that in his daily life, he gets away from the disciples. And he goes off on his own and he, he spends time with the Father. And I think that's an example or a model for us on how to live our life, that we need that too. Because if Jesus needs time away to spend with the Father, how much more do we need that time to live that out in our daily walk with the Lord. Getting into God's word, spending time talking to, to the Lord is so crucial and so important. But you see this amazing awareness within Jesus and the Father's purpose that begins to rise up in him. But his desire and obedience is, his desire is to be obedient to the Father in every single way. He says time and time again, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I don't say anything unless the Father tells me to say it. And so that connection that is formed somehow, um, again, in his humanity, it's already there. His divinity is, is constantly present. It never leaves. But he, he grows in the humanity aspect in this mysterious way. And a part of that is his relationship that he cultivates with the Father as a model for us on how we should do the exact same thing. Verse 51, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. We love to get caught up in worshiping the Lord. I do. I love being in spaces like this morning, like tonight will be, where we can just come together and worship God. But we see this beautiful image of how deepening in our spiritual walk happens through walking out daily in our human bodies. What do I mean by that? Oftentimes we can have negative views of, of what uh, John calls or Paul calls the flesh, okay? The humanity of things. But the irony is it's in our humanity that we grow and deepen our, our spiritual lives. You cannot deepen your spiritual faith outside of your humanity. And if you have, you let me know and I'd love to, to explore that with you. But we, have, we are embodied just as the very presence of God was embodied. And because of that, we can, we can look at that in many ways. Sometimes we fight against that. Sometimes we like to blame ourselves 
for, for our humanity, but I can tell you this, my hand doesn't do anything I don't tell it to do. It doesn't have a mind of its own. And so I am full and complete in who I am and who God has made me to be. And because the very presence of God lives in me, those things coexist. So my body and my spirit are one. They're united in this mysterious way. I can't separate them at this point. At some point, that will happen, right? When I go to be with the Lord, I will have a new body. And, and again, I don't fully understand what that looks like. And, and somehow we'll be able to recognize one another. But there's this element of daily faithfulness lived out in Jesus' humanity in obedience to the Father. And there's growth in that for us. And I want us to understand that, that we love these moments where we can experience God and we can feel encouraged. But it's the daily walking out of the faithfulness of life in which we find growth. And we have to have both. We need, we need those moments where we're excited and, and those kind of high points or mountaintop moments and, and those encouragements, whether it's retreats or things like tonight or, or this morning, but also the dailiness of walking it out in life is, is absolutely crucial. And oftentimes deeper growth happens there, but it happens in such slow increments that it can often be neglected or undervalued. But when we when we walk in those slow increments, those slow increments slowly become larger increments and we're formed and shaped in the very actions that we live out in the dailiness of our life. And we see that in the life of Jesus. But the things I love here is he becomes obedient to his parents. If any 12-year-old in the world could have looked at his parents and said, literally, you don't know what you're doing, it could have been Jesus. But he doesn't do that. Why? Because... The Father's word says to honor your mother and your father. So that's what Jesus does. And if anybody could have broken outside of the commandments or the Torah and done whatever he wanted, Jesus had every right to do it because he helped write the thing. But he decided to submit himself to it the entire time he was on earth, which tells us it's important. And it tells us that we should be submitting ourselves to it as well. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay. I like you. You can come anytime you want. You keep, you keep speaking up. I'll keep talking. Then we get to this verse, which is again a mystery, and I'm not claiming to understand it. Verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. That word grew in Greek is prokopto. And prokopto means, it's the word used when a metallurgist or a blacksmith forms a piece of metal. If you've ever watched that, it's an intense process. It's not like rolling out Play-Doh, where it's nice and easy. It's hammering, shoving it into the fire, hammering, shoving it into the fire, forming it and shaping. The blacksmith has an idea of what he wants the, the weapon or the thing that he's making to look like. And he will go at it until he achieves that goal, which he has in his mind. And that could take hours and days and intense heat and water and forming and shaping. And, and uh, my son, Reed, and I, we watched this show once. Maybe you've seen it about, uh, uh, there's like a shop and they bring these metal guys into the shop and they have to make like swords or blades. Anybody seen this show before? It's, yeah, okay, you're, you're with me. And you watch it and you become in awe of like, wow, this is like really hard. Like I just go to Walmart and buy a knife but I have no idea what, what it takes to, like, make this thing that I, that I, you know, that I have with me that, you know, I pay 20 bucks for. 
But you see these, these men and women who are just pouring their entire beings into this formation of this thing. And some of them break and some of them don't work because after they make it, they take it and they try it out and it has to pass all these tests. And if it fails the tests, then, then you have to leave. You're dismissed from the shop or whatever it is. And so I, that, for me, when I read that, it was a powerful image of that's how it's described who Jesus is. He's being formed and shaped in this mysterious way into the very human being that the Father wants him to be. The same is true of us. And the aspect of what shaped him was the people around him. His relationship with the Father, yes, but, his, but Mary and Joseph, the village he grew up in, the, the kids he ran around with, the faith that he saw lived out, all of that formed and, and molded him into the person that we read about in the Gospels later on when he begins his ministry. But that's true of us as well. Everybody around you that you're looking at right now is a part of your formation process and plays a key role in your growth and development as a follower of Jesus. And that's why the scriptures talk about iron sharpening iron. We have to come together to challenge each other, to open God's word, and to, to seek God's face and say, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching our community? What are you teaching me so that I can teach somebody else in our community? But it's all interconnected. And oftentimes we see ourselves as independent followers of Jesus, and we could just do our own thing, and that's okay, and it's just not how we were designed to be. I had a wedding last night, and I was, I, um, it was with, uh, well, they'll come back in a couple of weeks, and we'll, uh, we'll announce them. I'll, I'll introduce them to them, but a couple from Washington, um, and I got to, to meet some people, and a lot of the, most of those people there I didn't know. And usually at weddings, I know a lot of the people, but it was kind of fun for Ann and I to get to know all these new people we didn't know. And um, this one guy I was talking to, he came up to me and he's, he just said, you know, I really appreciate the service. I said, thanks. And I said, you seem like a person of faith. And he said, yes, I am a person of faith. I said, tell me about your faith. Tell me about your walk with the Lord. And so he starts to tell me about it. I said, what community of faith are you a part of? He goes, I don't really go to church. I said, why is that? He goes, well, I, I just kind of do this on my own. I said, well, you know, you're not supposed to. And he's like, oh. he's like, ah, I was like, no, 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 no. You're, that's not what the word that you ascribe to, the foundation that you say is true, tells you. He goes, yeah. I was like, I would really encourage you to get connected to a group of faith, of people around you. Because he was telling me some interesting things. I was like, it'd be good to have some grounding <laughs> in some of those things you're telling me right now. Because they're a little out there. And, and let's face it, as long as we're on our own, we can be out there and nobody keeps us accountable. And we need accountability. And we see that in this story, this beautiful story. Uh, and then it says that he grew in wisdom. And I loved what one of the commentators said, and that was, how does wi- the source of all wisdom grow in wisdom? Sophia is the word in Greek. I don't know. <laughs> but somehow in the mystery of things, how does, how does the creator of the universe come out of a woman's womb? I don't know. But it happened. And so we, and I think a lot of Jesus' life is given to us as a model and an example of how we are to live our lives. You know, I, when, we, when we do a baptism class, we always, I always ask the question, well, why was Jesus baptized? Of all people who didn't need to be baptized, because baptism is about repentance and of sin and being forgiven, 
Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but yet he did it. And I think he did it to be primarily a model for us of what we are to do and how we are to follow his example in that way, to be baptized. And so it says to us that Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. Proverbs 3, 4 says, Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So there's, a, I think, a direct correlation between what Luke is saying to us and Proverbs 3, 4. But what I love is if you back up to verses 1 and 2, because there's that then there, okay? Go back one slide, Allie. We see this, and, and this is a good rule of thumb as you are studying the scriptures on your own. Um, if you see a then, or what are some other examples that come up? Therefore, very good. Okay, or in that way, or, or such that, you always want to say, okay, why, what do you mean there? What is that then? Because all of a sudden we have this great verse, but it says, what it's alluding to is so, I, something was said before that leads to this. And so always back up in the scriptures and get a holistic view of what you're reading. So verse 1 and 2 says this, Do not forget my teachings. Keep the commandments. Let love and faithfulness lead you. So if you do those things, then you will grow in favor with the Lord and with man. See, there are people that can grow in favor with man and have no favor with God. And a lot of people do that. Because a lot of people think that that's the most important thing in this world, because they don't know any better, is to gain the favor of man. And I saw a lot, of, I got to talk to a lot of people last night who ascribed to that philosophy. And then there are those who I would say naively or don't fully understand, but they think they're growing in favor with God, but don't have favor with man. That's not spiritual growth either. Both of those things are crucial and important. If you're growing in maturity of faith, you're growing in favor with God and with man both at the same time. That doesn't mean you go around pleasing people. That's not what it's about. What it's saying is, as you develop in your maturity and deepening in your walk with the Lord, people will notice it and respect you for it. Those two things are crucial. So if you feel like you're growing and deepening in your relationship with the Lord, but you're not seeing that favor with man, there's more work that needs to be done. Because as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, as you deepen in that trust with God, God begins to open doors for you in many different ways. That might be at work, that might be a promotion, but most of the time it's <clears throat> accessing people to share the gospel with, is what it means. And so you deepen in your walk with the Lord so that God can use you to advance his kingdom here on earth, which is another huge part of our vision statement that we've rolled out. And so those things are absolutely crucial and important. So the community that created Jesus and formed Jesus was tight-knit, trusting. They sought God, and they were obedient to the scriptures. We see examples of that in Mary and Joseph's life. It was formed through traditions and ceremonies and celebrations and parties. Oftentimes we can look at traditions and ceremonies as a negative thing in the church because church traditions can be unhealthy traditions. But what we're doing this morning is tradition. Preaching is tradition. Singing worship songs is part of tradition, part of our tradition as Protestants. Those things are important things. Taking communion is a tradition and a ceremony. So those things aren't always negative. 
and, and can be very life-giving if they're done in healthy ways. And so we see them interacting in those traditions. And, <clears throat> and also those things can bring deep conviction of faith and aid in our teaching of children. Having our children be a part of our traditions helps us teach our kids about the faith. Jesus had parents that wanted to live God-honoring lives. We see that being obedient to Deuteronomy 6. They kept obedience, or Jesus kept obedience to the Father as his number one priority. Developing a hunger to grow and to learn, we see. He placed himself under authority. That is a challenging thing. But any healthy community is willing to place itself under authority. Because that's what the scriptures tell us we should do. As a result of his faithfulness and formation, he grew and developed in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. Healthy communities are places where people are growing and developing in their understanding of God and themselves. Healthy communities are places where people long to keep God's commandments and be obedient to God's word. They hold on to rituals and traditions that carry them and help them teach their children. And they trust one another with their lives and the lives of their children. And they rely on one another to figure out life together. Because we were never meant to be isolated and alone. And that's why community is such an important thing. That's why we need to come together physically. We need that. That's why COVID has been so detrimental to mental health, but also to the church at large. Churches have been struggling to come back together, to figure out how to come back together. I had a correspondence with somebody that, that was a part of Washington and still, I think, engages online, but hasn't been back yet. And they were sharing with me, they said, you know, when this first pandemic started, it was, staying away was, was about, and we stopped and we went online, but they said staying away was about, you know, being safe. And now that it has become more safe to come together um, with vaccinations and other, and other measures, they said, we just got out of the habit of waking up on Sunday morning. And I could tell you, the enemy thrives on those things. And so all the more, we're, and, and, I, and when you are mindful, um, I remember my mentor telling me, um, just even before I was in pastoral ministry, he said, mind what you do on Saturday nights, because it affects Sunday mornings. And so... Choose your acts on Saturday night wisely. And again, let's be realistic. We meet at 10 o'clock in the morning. You can still stay out pretty late, sleep in pretty late, in my opinion, and make it to a 10 a.m. service without any issues whatsoever. But nonetheless, I've developed that habit. I don't go out on Saturday nights. Ask my wife. I'm pretty boring on Saturday nights. Unless somebody else is preaching, and then I'm like, what are we doing? On, let's go somewhere until I usually pass out around 10 o'clock, so I don't make it past then anyway. But my Sunday morning starts way before Sunday morning. And my focus and what I decide to do and how I spend my time, that, that, that aspect begins. And for me, it starts to, that awareness starts to creep in probably around 12 o'clock, 1 p.m. On, on Saturday. I start thinking about Sunday mornings, and I start praying about Sunday mornings. I start thinking about you all, and I start praying for you all. And that just intensifies as it goes on. So literally, on Saturday afternoons and Saturday evenings, I'm not the best person to talk to because I'm not, I'm not a good listener at that point because I'm listening to other things. But that builds into Sunday morning and then, and then beyond, and especially when we do <clears throat> encounter nights once a month, which I would encourage you all to come tonight 
it becomes an even longer process for me because I keep that going. And I add a nap in there so that I, that I, can, I can make it through the day. But um, there's an intentionality about that. And I want to be a part of a culture that longs and looks forward to, like, when is Sunday coming? I want to come together. I want to experience God. I want to share with others the goodness and faithfulness of God. And I want to come around those that need me to pray for them and lift them up to the Father. And that's what healthy communities look like. They're vibrant and they're passionate. And they're inviting others who don't know the Lord to join them and say, come with me. Come have this experience. This experience is different than anything else you'll have throughout the week. It'll be different from your job. It'll be different from what's going on in your house. It'll be different from sitting in front of the TV. It'll be a different thing. That's how it should be. And hopefully that's, that's what we want to create here at Washington, that sense of excitement. So I'm excited to walk with you guys through this as we look at our vision statement, as we look at the life of Jesus, and as, as we start to see, because every aspect of the vision we see in Jesus' life, and it's really a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I love looking at it through that lens. And, and I have some ideas of next week, but I'm not quite sure what we're going to talk about next week. Um, but Jesus has this gift of like birthing communities wherever he goes. Because people, he draws people to himself and people encounter God. And that's what happens. That's how communities are formed. When you have spaces where people are encountering the Lord, people come together and they're excited about it. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to model for us life. I thank you for the community that he grew up in and the life that he lived. And we're all here because of it. But I thank you for this community. I thank you for what it is and I thank you for what it will become as we submit ourselves to you, as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and show us what it is you want, Father. May we become more and more like your son, Jesus. May we live our life with vibrance and passion, looking to you for direction, listening to you for guidance. And may you bless us. May you deepen us because of it. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, if you are listening online, I want to invite you to grab something to join us with communion in your house, bread or crackers, juice. Um, we're going to take communion. Um, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to the table. We don't have restrictions. The table is open to anybody. Um, we have a, an amazing couple, Levi and Jordan, that are going to lead us through this time of communion right now. So Jimmy asked us to lead communion, and we thought that meant serving communion. And then he's like, oh, you're going to talk. <laughs> so here we are. Um, and I was sitting just in the pew kind of reflecting on, God, what, what do you want us to share about community? Um, because we've been in so much pain. What do we do with that? And he said, share your story. It will be your healing. <laughs> And so that's what we're going to do. Um, and I just thought of three instances that we were just so met by the presence of Jesus um, and the people around us. So we just recently became a one-car family. <laughs> and two days after that, um, 
that one car broke <laughs> um, with the baby and mom on the highway. Um, and so we had a sweet friend who offered his janky car <laughs> to let Levi come and save me. Um, and I just remember being in such panic and talking to Levi on the phone and saying, I don't know how you're going to get me. Like, I'm stuck. <laughs> He's like, I'm coming. This car can only go 55 miles an hour, but I'm coming. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. And then I was graced with um, just a moment of, we've been experiencing um, just with people that we love dearly, um, multiple attempts at them um, taking their life. Um, and then another person that we care about um, being so harmed by the church that she left. Um, and I was graced with time with a sweet friend where I could just be raw and I could say, I'm so mad about this. I'm so filled with pain. Um, we are so filled with pain. Can you listen to me? And she did. And it was Jesus's ear right there. And then in the same time, I was, um, asked to go on a walk with someone and they canceled the first time and it was God's grace um, because they needed to grieve and I met with them again and um, we got to share our grief together <laughs> um, just that life sucks <laughs> sometimes life can be terrible and life can be really joyous that these moments that I got to share I write in Bennett's um, journal, I write a journal to him so that he has remembrance of his mom, um, that God is kind. And it doesn't feel like God is kind right now, but God is kind. In the people around me, I'm seeing that God is kind. Um, and so with that, I feel like I cry every time I come up here. It's fine, that's just who I am, truthfully. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote um, something just in my journal a year ago, um, kind of in the heart of the pandemic and being pregnant and being in the schools and all of the chaos. Um, and it says, oh love, where are you? The wisp of the wind clinging to your brow, frizz plowing forward and back, lost in the movement of now. I haven't lost you. You look very different to me, like a variant shade of green, rather than your violet emerald. Life is swallowing the intricacies of you. The mundane makes you cold. The rain that made you once so joyous causes ache. Why, why, my love, I can see you. Beyond your limited reflection, I can see. You long for adoration, for admiration from somewhere, anywhere. It aches like the numb void of an empty space, once filled with life, but know that you hold eternal glory. Don't fret, your emerald tone will return. You will move beyond sprouting, you will flourish. Remember me as the pain rises and fades, as you return to Shalom. Your sweetest friend is calling you home.
So as we talk about community, um, the invitation this morning is to take communion together as a community. Uh, normally we have people stationed uh, that will serve you, uh, but today we want everyone to serve each other. Um, so come up in groups. Uh, yeah, don't come alone. Uh, come and serve one another. Grab someone if you're here by yourself or if you see someone by themselves, grab them. Um, yeah, there's stations around. There's also prepackaged uh, servings too, if that's your preference. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, broke it, and blessed it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. And he took the cup, saying, this is the blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. As much as you partake, do in remembrance of me. So as you feel led, come and partake and commune in community together. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.